welcome to Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We are a part of Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are here tonight to talk about Season 2, Episode 8 of both shows. For Legion, that's Message in a Bottle, which originally aired on December 1st, 2007. For Strange New Worlds, that's Under Cloak of War, originally aired on the 27th of July, 2023. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Big shift from last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was trying to say last week, right, is that Strange New Worlds really does, like, very tonally different episodes, right? And I think we're going to have a musical next week. So, yes. like, we've, we've gone from animated hijinks to a serious story about war crimes to musical. It didn't disappoint, though, Bob. I'll say that. No, no. Very good. Very good. Um, it, it's also interesting how episodic Strange New Worlds is continuing to be, right? Like, I was kind of wondering, especially with, like, the title under Cloak of War, it's like, are we, like, going to have, like, a couple episodes building up to a Gorn War in the season finale? And it's like, nope, they teased the they teased the Gorn War in the season two premiere, and I guess if we get more Gorn, it'll just be in the finale. Yeah, I, I think, with, I'm not 100% sure what the title of the last episode is, but I remember it, it vaguely it had something to do with the Gorn, so... We're going to see a, a season finale with a Gorn. The musical episode is entitled Subspace Rhapsody. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, episode 10 is entitled Hegemony. And usually, I, I don't think this has ever been confirmed on screen, but usually, like, you know, you have the Klingon Empire, the Romulan Star Empire, the Tholian Assembly, and the Gorn Hegemony is usually how they address the Gorn. Well, there you go, folks. You're going to get your Gorn. There your book is. You're going to get your Gorn. <laughs> or, or or it's a fake out and you won't maybe Gorn or maybe you got to save Gorn for season three as a treat <laughs> yeah, what's it really going to be about you know what's going to be about Bob Cisco what's that Cisco coming back uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt has a, Matt has a dream and I got, there's I got some, a theory there's some, there's some foreshadowing we'll, we'll get to it we'll get to yeah. it but before we get to foreshadowing of the return of the emissary himself Matt do you want to walk us through uh, the plot of Legion season two episode eight message in a bottle so, in Message in a Bottle, Bob, Superman, Lightning Lad, Brainiac 5, Timberwolf, Shrinking Violet, and Chameleon Nepo defend the Fortress of Solitude from Imperiax's forces. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting transition moment for Legion, right? So, Season 1 was so focused, so focused on the Superman mythos. You know, we had Phantom Zone, we had Mr. Mixic-Pitalik, we had uh, Lex Luthor's uh, Descendant. But Season 2 has pretty much avoided it, but then it returns with a bang in this episode where we have both the Fortress of Solitude and the Bottled City of Kandor. So let me say, Bob, this episode had me extremely entertained throughout. Like, I was... Sometimes, usually when I'm watching these, I'm kind of like, okay, that's cool. Okay, there's Brainiac 5 again. Let me look at my phone. Okay. Like, <laughs> but, but I think without the Superman mythos interspersed throughout the season, they would have a very hard time keeping an audience and selling those toys. Well, I mean, since this is the last season, yeah. I think they had a hard time anyway. But Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, ain't it, guys? <laughs> but, well, I mean, it did get two seasons, which is, you know, more than Beware the Batman more than Green Lantern, yeah, yeah. Only I wonder one if we did get a super. Uh, did we get a power suit Superman action figure Bob from the Legion? I don't know. I I don't know what the Legion toys were like, Matt. You would have to answer. You would have to research that I guess yourself. That's my I research, really don't know. I was I was in my thirties when this came out, so or my maybe 20s. that uh, you know, we'll do. <laughs> We'll do a season two recap episode of the Legion, which will, you know, also be a series recap in a sense, probably. And maybe, uh, maybe that should be one of the questions we raise about. Yeah, you know, we need to figure out if they, the they produced any toys for this. 
Because yeah. I do know that they, I do know that it was like a McDonald's or is it a McDonald's or Burger King tie-in with the oh, show? Yeah, that seems like. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. I mean, if it's a Burger King tie-in, that's just yet another failure by DC Media. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Burger King, have it your way. Speaking right. of toys, Matt, uh, you had a question about uh, Superman souvenirs. Yeah, so we go into the Fortress of Solitude, and there's a bunch of like mementos and things and trophies, I guess. Because sometimes the Fortress of Solitude is more like a home for Superman, and just has like statues of his parents and everything, and it's all like Kryptonian. Well, also, d- don't forget statues of everyone he knows. Statues yeah, and everyone, he, everyone he knows, statues he's ever met. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whereas <laughs> Batman is more the one who has the trophies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here we see some trophies that Superman has. And there are, I, I do understand that there are different versions of the Fortress that, you know, depending on whoever the artist sure, sure. is. Do you know what the original title for the Fortress of Solitude was? No, what was the original the title? Age? Fort Superman. <laughs> Fort Superman. Sorry, sorry. I stepped on your question. I no, you're fine. That sounds like something like, it sounds like something out of a magazine from the 60s or 50s where they're, it's like, get your was it Davy Crockett hat and yeah. go hop up in Fort Superman? Like it's like a treehouse. The two survivors <laughs> of the the two survivors of the siege of Fort Superman. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. But anyway, there's the Fleischer robots in 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 there. I don't know why it, it didn't really because it was like the Titanic you, and the Fleischer robot. Because the Fleischer robots are cool. <laughs> that's, that's why they use them on uh, the you know the other show we're covering, uh, Superman twenty twenty three. That's true. I mean, I guess they are cool. But he kept one, put it in his fortress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did think it was pretty funny the scene where Superman is trying to explain to a Kandorian who looks suspiciously like Lex Luthor that he's uh, he's not the Superman he knows. He's the young Superman time traveling. It's very, very funny. Yeah, I tried to put down on a paper how he could say say it to the guy to, for it to make sense. So, And I came up with, Superboy should have said, we're in my future, and the version you met of me is from my future and your past. Doesn't that make sense, well, Bob? And it also, I think it's compounded <laughs> that it's, I think, right, if I understood this right, Kandor has been in the Fortress of Solitude for a thousand years. And so this is like the descendant of guys who used to meet Superman, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> so huh. it's like the, the the legend the legends you've heard about are about older me. It's <laughs> wild. Okay, Bob, wild. so let's 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 make this let's turn this into a real life scenario here. It's like Jesus coming back <laughs> in in the year one thousand. Yeah. It's like Jesus coming back to the people in the year 1000 and saying, the guy you met before who died on the cross, yeah, that's me, but I'm me before I died on the cross. I'm just, I'm just a carpenter, bro. That's, I yeah. Just... <laughs> I'm not there yet. I don't have all walk, of Jesus' powers. Walk on water? How would I even yeah. do that? <laughs> so I have to have the Legion to teach me. Bob, yeah, yeah. holy shit. Jesus is a member of the Legion. Yeah, or no, it's like the, it's like, no, the Legion are the angels to Superman's Jesus, right? Okay. So it's like, you have an arc in the Bible, uh, Jesus has to time travel and train with the angels. What if that's the three days, Bob? What if that's the three days? (laughs) I I, I just think he should uh, spend three days in the Phantom Zone, personally. Holy shit, this is even better. Damn. (laughs) Why are we not writing the Bible, Bob? (laughs) (laughs) We could do it so good, man. 
So it was a really nice touch too that we you know we see the traditional Superman replacement robots in the Fortress of Solitude, but one's been messed up by Imperiax and looks like Cyborg Superman. That was a really I mean, nice touch. It looks identical to Cyborg Superman. I thought someone had fun with that design. They're like, oh okay, we'll just throw this little Easter egg in there. I was kind of hoping that was Hank Henshaw and that was going to be like the, he was going to be the bad in this episode. <laughs> That's also something I don't think, I mean, I know, I think there are some Cyborg Superman comics I haven't read, but I don't think anybody's ever really played with like a connection between Cyborg Superman and the, and the Fortress of Solitude robots. That would be a cool connection. It would be. We took Cyborg Superman to like the Green Lantern Corps, right? That was. Yeah. Yeah. He became, he, he joined the Sinestro Corps, I think. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then. We had this theme a couple of times in the comics that we read too, but you know, we have Superman and Brainiac five have heat in this episode. And, you know, we have Superman denouncing Brainiac for your ancestor nearly destroyed Kandor. And now you're trying to finish the job. Yeah. This is like, this is some good tension between these characters. Cause since it was just brainy admiring Superman, now it's like, Oh, was he admiring, admiring him because he felt so bad about what his ancestor did? Or because of like latent, uh, latent feelings that his ancestor had about Superman. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, also, I, this is a common theme I think both in season one and the comics in this episode. But Brainiac really should be careful about just randomly sticking jump drives into his brain port. That just seems seems like a good way to catch a brain disease. Yeah, what's up? He, like he makes some very poor decisions when it comes to that. I think it is here, and I think in other versions of Brainiac, too, there's a tendency to be like, oh, yeah, Galaxy's smartest man does some dumb stuff. I guess that's what they're going for with a name like Brainiac. I mean, you have to yeah. just don't think you'd be just shoving stuff in your brain. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it was also, speaking of the Superman mythos, you know, through Candor, we do get to see quick appearances of what's functionally the Superman rescue squad, as well as what's basically Crypto and what's basically Streaky, the super cat. Yeah, that was really, that was cool to see that. And that Candor has its own little thing going. The whole ending of this episode was kind of epic. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Krypton, or at least Candor, is restored after a thousand years, and like they reconstitute the planet Krypton. So, yeah, yeah, like, it, it, was, yeah. it was a, it was really big compared to the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, this. there were there were large repercussions. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a kind of good point of that. There's a kind of small stakeness stakes to both a lot of Legion One and the Legion Season Two episodes, yeah. even. And so, like, the, the premiere of Season 2 does a lot of work to, like, set up the Imperiax as this galaxy threat. But this is maybe the only following episode that really matches the tone of the premiere. It really does. This seems way bigger. I mean, you have a whole... And then at the very end, you get Brainy deciding that, you know, Superman's memory needs to be wiped because he knows too much. And he really does. I, I felt like this is always going to be an issue with this show since the beginning because... You can only tell Superman so much about his past yeah. without screwing it up. And they do that in a famous Bronze Age uh, issue of the Legion, too. They, but it, there, it's more like the whole Legion does it. It's not just Brainy making an executive decision. But, but it was also a good idea for them to bring Superman X in since he's from the future. So they don't have to worry yeah. about that so much with other other episodes where you don't have both of them in it, you know. I'm, I'm still going to you, you got to call him by his name, Matt. It's, it's Superman and Superboy X. Superboy X, excuse me, Superboy X. <laughs> Damn. So, Matt, uh, who was your non-Superboy uh, Legionnaire of the Week? I'll just give it to Brainiac. He uh, 
I learned a lot about him, and he seems like he's having sort of a character shift in this episode. To yeah, certainly, how... certainly a kind of spotlight episode for him, yeah. Definitely. And the the whole mark on his head thing I thought was kind of cool. That mm-hmm. was a good... Uh... You're right, you're right, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Brainiac's nemesis uh, from a previous episode, Shrinking Violet, because <laughs> I thought the gag of her now being the biggest legionnaire after they go through the shrink ray was pretty great. Bob has this love of shrinking Violet that I'm never going to understand. It's his favorite Legionnaire. <laughs> uh, she's a cool character. Uh, she and uh, she and Lightning Lad's uh, sister are a couple, which is nice in a lot of Legion versions. And uh, I don't know. I just I've just enjoyed the small bits of business they've given her these two episodes. I mean, she, I wouldn't say she's one of my favorites generally. Shrinking Violet. Okay. Uh, that, that, every time I see her, I forget what her name is. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I remember in the episode changing size and Matt, what she did. She shrinks I, and she literally has a violet pinned to her. I, I know it's so dumb. I should be able to just put it together, but I, I, it, it, I'm like, there goes giant girl. I'm like, that's not her. <laughs> there goes big. So, uh, <laughs> so Matt, do you want to walk us through the uh, plot for uh, Star Trek Strange New World season two, episode eight under cloak of war? Sure, so transporting an ambassador raises tensions among the few veterans of the last Klingon war on the Enterprise. Indeed, indeed. So I, just to start with a little Starship talk, uh, the Kelsey May, interesting design. It kind of looks like an t- original series version of the Prometheus from Voyager. I, yeah, I didn't recognize it, and, but I do know it had, I did notice this, the design itself was like, different than what I'm used to seeing in Star Trek. Yeah, it's a, it's it's the first appearance of the design as far as I'm aware. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. The things I've watched about this episode say that it is, so I'm just going to go with them. Yeah, yeah. And so the main focus of this episode is we get self-hating Klingon ambassador Doc Ra, uh, also known as the Butcher of Jagal. Uh, quite an interesting character, and I did want to say he's played by Robert Wisdom. Do you recognize him from anything, Matt? Not really, no. Uh, the main thing, I think he's been around in like smaller roles, but the main thing I know him and love him for is he plays the police major Bunny Colvin in The Wire Season 3, which is a great character and a great role and a great show. Yeah, everybody needs to watch The Wire, including me. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I don't know I why. Mean, I'm like... Just to, just to spoil it, in Season 3, he's basically like, he runs a precinct on the west side of Baltimore and he gets fed up with the war on drugs and he just legalizes drugs in like a four block radius and Mm -hmm. creates like this open air drug market. It's a really interesting arc. Yeah. I'm just, I have not gotten past too many episodes in season one. So thanks for the spoils, (laughs) Bob. I'm kind of warm over that. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. It's all right. So what, what did you think about Spock seems to be a Klingon weeb now? Okay, define for my old ass what a weeb is. What is this? Uh, it's uh, someone usually a uh, usually a white a white uh, USA person who's really into Japanese culture. Oh, okay. It's okay, a short. Gotcha. It's a shortening of a. I believe it's a Japanese term, weeaboo. Okay, I, I don't know how I felt about that. Did it? F- it f- seems to fit with every. It doesn't. F- yeah, he's never really brought anything up. The only time I remember there being any interaction about Klingons and all I remember is Kurt not liking the Klingons for what happened to his son. Yeah. That's all I remember. As you were saying last episode, and I want to reiterate, 
I don't care that, about being fine grained about Star Trek continuity in this way. Yeah. Like it's fine. Strange worlds is a great show that that covers over any, any number of contradictions that are not that important anyway. But if you were going to pick at it, it is a little interesting about how much, uh, how many encounters Spock has with the Klingons in the original series and the movies. And he never expresses any knowledge of interest in or enthusiasm for Klingon culture. Although maybe if you wanted to justify it, you could just say this is part of his emotional phase, you know? That's what I was about to say. Maybe this has to do with Chapel. Maybe he's trying to like branch out and try to have like a personality beyond logic and everything. <laughs> oh man, that's see, usually it's uh you know, usually it's the weeb can't get a girlfriend, but it would be ironic if it was uh, you know, you you got a girlfriend and then you became a weeb to impress her. <laughs> Yeah, he's got to have some knowledge about some cool stuff like Klingon drink and food. And also, and I, I want to acknowledge that Chap that Chapel would be very uncomfortable with the label girlfriend because she doesn't do uh, she doesn't do uh, labels. So we'll just say you get a friends with a friend with benefits, and then you become a weeb to impress her. But is it also kind of weird he's a Klingon weeb when she had so many issues with the Klingons? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So maybe That's... that doesn't work because <laughs> it. I mean, if we're going to close read it, it seems like he's just a Klingon weeb in general, but he's trying to weaponize his Klingon weebness to take some of the tension and attention off her in those scenes with Doc Ra. Yeah. This is going to be a little bit of a fraught question. Like, I do you find Ortegas and Mbinga's reactions to Doc Ra a little overwrought, especially like early in the episode before we really get the backstory? Like... Sure, I get that there would be tension, but they're professionals. They're on the flagship. And yes, I war is hell, and Doc Rod did do war crimes, but it's like, this is not the Federation's first war, you know? Okay, with with Mabinga, I kind of get it more so than I do with Ortega's. Yeah. Expe yeah. Especially after the after the ending when you realize you know, he was the actual butcher. That's, yeah, yeah. But, but Ortega's, yeah, hers is kind of... But she's she's kind of a loudmouth anyway. So she is kind of a loudmouth, but they don't really do anything or develop it with her that much. It's just she's she's just fiery about it, and there's yeah. no there's nothing more to it. It did kind of remind me. Did you watch Mad Men? I didn't. There's a really interesting episode. I think it's in season three of Mad Men, where you know it's like an advertising agency in 1960s New York. And they're having to do like business meetings with a Japanese company. And one of the owners um, is the character's name is Roger Sterling. I'm blanking on the actor's name, but he's a great actor. But he was he's a World War II veteran and he's super racist against the Japanese. And he's super racist against these guys that they're supposed to be business partners with. And I just kind of got those vibes off this episode, especially from Ortegas. Um, I don't know. Grant, some people don't like that Mad Men episode. I think it's okay, but it's not people's favorite usually. I mean, that's kind of why I appreciate Babylon 5. It kind of showed me how to really act with your enemies, you know, after a war. <laughs> what, are, what are you thinking of specifically? <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the, how, how the Narn and the, uh, Earth yeah, Force. the Earth Alliance. Yeah. yeah. Like the Earth Alliance. I'm just thinking of all that. Like how they, uh, they were in a big war with each other. They fought each other all the time. They hated each other, but now they're all getting along on a space station, but then yeah, you see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Although I guess there are like, 
I guess it's easier for the Minbari to be gracious because they absolutely dominated humans and then surrendered inexplicably. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's a weird war dynamic. That's not, it's not exactly the, the Federation Klingon war dynamic. Yeah. And then it's the guy hard. running the stations, the guy who like <laughs> slaughtered everyone. <laughs> yeah. Can I, uh, can I ask a, a, a probably pretty pointed question that I didn't put in the notes? Sure. So, is the real message of this episode that the real butcher of Jagal, not Doc Ra, not Mabinga, but it's actually Burnham for starting the war? I know. I kind of went back to that when I was watching it. Especially since they do show you clips of the the Klingons from the Discovery pilot in the previously on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of had that. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> Every time they bring up Klingons, I go back to Burnham being like the reason we they had issues. So we've talked about Babylon 5. We've talked about Mad Men. Speaking of another show, did uh, you get big MASH vibes off the flashbacks to Mabinga and Chapel in this episode? Yeah, like the constant flow of patients going into the tent camp, being teleported. It really reminded me of like the helicopters flying overhead and bringing patients into the troops in MASH. Yeah. That whole, and the whole setting itself... You just, it felt like masks was always either they were in that surgical room, mm-hmm. they were outside, or they were in one of the tents. That was it. And that's this whole episode. It's just, or the, all the flashbacks are like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I, I don't really want to criticize this episode. It, I don't think it fully landed for me. Kind of like, in, in a way, it kind of felt similar to the, the premiere in that way to me. Like, it, I don't think it's a bad episode, but it didn't fully land for me. Yeah. But it is a little interesting and I, I, I like that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to fault it too much because it's a short episode and you, you, yeah, they're going for a certain tone and this would compromise the tone, but it is interesting that it was like so derivative of mash in a way, but it had none of like the humor or surrealism of mash. And if I were going to criticize that of the show for that, I'd just say that like, it, it's so like, into the like war is bad, which war is bad, but it just kind of shows war as being this like one note trauma thing. It doesn't like really get at like the weirdness and strangeness of war. Does that make sense? I mean, it does. Yeah. Cause there is some, uh, it's not, I don't know what you would call it, but it's the equivalent of gallows humor. Yeah. 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 Um, I did like the, the, but on the more serious note, I did like the Mabinga line, which is something I've often tried to uh, inhabit, that sometimes you pretend something long enough, it becomes the truth. Yeah, Bob, make America great again. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's happening again, 2024, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if Donald Trump quotes Mabinga. <laughs> so, Matt, do you uh, did you think that Pike cooking jambalaya was stealing Cisco Valor? I, I, I kind of feel like it was, but do you think it was? Bob, this is an obvious sign that Avery Brooks is returning for the finale as a prophet. But then what does the, the Delton Parsley that in strong enough uh, doses would be fatal? What does that mean for the return of the emissary? Somebody eats it and he can fix it. <laughs> so he's going pike is going to od on delton parsley in his jambalaya a wormhole will open in pike's cabin which we won't notice because pike's cabin is so big it'll yeah, open right by huge. the fireplace it's yeah, so huge it's so you should big. go on facebook and talk about it yeah. and then pike will step out he will lay or sorry cisco will step out he will lay hands on pike 
and he will be like, my son, you have imbibed too much Delta and parsley. Let me heal you, and he will heal him. Yeah, and then he's going to cook him some more jambalaya. It's going to be great. <laughs> so we do meet an Andorian uh, special ops officer in this, uh, Val Trask. We then see him die. Uh, he seems like an interesting character, uh, although I did enjoy Chapel's dig at him and the other spec ops guys that, you know, for being uh, secret, they sure talk a lot. <laughs> um, but I, it did just generally make me kind of long for I really want a regular Andorian cast member on a Star Trek show like we had him or but he only made it a season. You know, so it's kind of made me wistful in that way. So Enterprise didn't have one, right? Well, so Jeffrey Combs played Shran, who was like an Andorian captain, you okay. know, because you had like humans, Vulcans, Andorian intention, right? But he was a re he was a regular reoccurring character, and if it had made it to season five, he would have been on the main cast. But he was never on the main cast in the four seasons we got. Does that make sense? Oh, okay, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, because I just remember there being an Andorian at some point. I just didn't know if he like actually made a if he was episode to episode or if he was like a Romulan friend on DS nine that showed up once. He, he was there pretty regularly, especially in season three and four, but not, not, not as a main member of the cast now. And I, I do also, speaking of Andorians, like, do you know who the Anar are? I feel like I, yeah, I've heard the name. I just can't remember for the life of me what that what they were. They're a subspecies of Andorians that are introduced in in, in Star Trek Enterprise. So okay, that, yeah, yeah. I think they're mentioned in a lower decks episode, and we brought them. Oh, up. I bet they are. I bet they are. Also, they could just make Jen the Andorian a more of a prominent character on lower decks. I, that would make yeah. me happy as well. <laughs> uh, which is also, you know, we talked about this last week, but kind of my dream for season four at lower decks is more Jen and more Vulcan Mariner, you know, <laughs> but anyway, they mentioned Anar existentialism in this episode. And it's like, I want to know more about Anar existentialism. That sounds fun. Yeah. My ass thought Anar existentialism was what Mabinga and the Klingon do were like doing when they were fighting and talking at the same time. Yeah. Apparently they're they're Klingon <laughs> or, whatever, or whatever it was, whatever that battle talking was. That, that's what I thought it was. I want to know more about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like karate, but quipping at the same time. <laughs> so did you, wind, did you wind up having any big thoughts about Doc Ra as a character after this? Like he reminded me of the characters from deep space nine that were either or like the Cardassians and then in, like, in, like in Nabrantane, like, Garrett yes, exactly. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes. Reminded me of him. Like that's it, as I was watching, I kept thinking of that. There's also that defector episode of the next gen where there's a Romulan defector. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Any, any, any episode where we had defectors, I just feel like he fit right up into that category. Was it, the, was it the Romulan defector played by the guy who played the Narn ambassador on Babylon five, Jakar, or maybe, maybe it wasn't, but definitely the guy who played Jakar on Babylon five did play a Romulan on next gen, but it might not have been the defector. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't, I don't know. I have to look back. But I just, yeah, I got those vibes from this. This reminded me a lot of some Deep Space Nine episodes. Any others in particular? I'm thinking of the one with, was the Everett Tain one the one with Kira and the interrogation? Oh, no, no. That's the, Inabrin Tain is Garrick's mentor in the Obsidian Order. You're oh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you're thinking uh, of, du I think it's Duet. It's late season one, and it's 
Kira talking to a Cardassian who is supposed to have been a war criminal, although she finds out it's actually, you know, spoilers, it's a, it's a Cardassian clerk uh, impersonating the war criminal. Yes. See, that kind of, yeah, it just, it gave me those vibes. Like, just listening to you explain that plot to me, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. I'm glad you, I, I wasn't thinking about that episode. I'm glad you, glad you reminded me of it. Cause I, I wasn't thinking of that or an Auburn Tain. Um, the one I saw people compare it to on social media is in the pale moonlight. The one where Cisco and Garrick false flag the Romulans into the war against the dominion. Yeah. And I don't, I actually was kind of skeptical. Like I saw people make that comparison before I watched it. And then I watched it and I was like, I don't know if that's actually a great comparison or not. I don't feel that at all. <laughs> yeah. No. So I, was, that never came to my mind yeah. at all. I mean, yeah, they both have to do with war, but that, yeah, yeah. that's not, you know, you know and I guess they have to do, they have to do with, you know, lies and deceptions and what people need to hear, but in very different ways and in very different tones. Right. Yeah. I don't think that would be, a, that's not a great comparison. So who was your character of the week, Matt? Well, my character of the week goes to Mbinga. Okay. Okay. Cause I'm basic. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fine. I'll just, since he's a one-off and since I love the actor, even though, like I said, I had a little bit mixed feelings about this episode, although it's still, it was, it was really interesting and I'm glad, you know, I'm glad the writers went for it, but I'll give it to Doc Ra. It's, it's always great to see, uh, to see Bunny Colvin, especially under Klingon makeup. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you one thing though, Bob, before we, before we move on and finish, wrap this up, uh, Mabinga at the very end of the episode, mm -hmm. what's going on with that? that little like medical bay thing that was broken. Oh, there was a big uh, deal about it. Is he, is he hiding some other, uh, other patient in it or something like you did uh, with his daughter and like he did at the mass unit? I don't know. I don't know. It's Could something be. crazy, but he said, it, they be. said that's been, it's been acting up since the Gorn arrived. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just thought it was supposed to be a thematic motif. But yeah, you're right. It's it's gonna have like a Goran infestation or something for the. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good, gotta, okay. Goran infestation. I didn't think about that. Somebody laid their eggs in it, <laughs> or or it's gonna like fail at a critical moment next episode. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're you're smarter okay. than me. I, I didn't I didn't catch that at all. I thought it broke earlier in the episode for some other reason, and I didn't know. It wasn't well. That part, I well, think that he, part he had the, well the monologue about it early on, yeah. and then he, he 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 it fails again late in the episode. Yeah, yeah. So actually, not next episode, but two episodes. Two down episodes, down not, not the singing episode that's coming up. Uh, do you do you have any opinions? I, I I know a lot of people are butt hurt about Star Trek doing a musical. Do you have any opinions about that? Oh, I have no opinions about that, Bob. I think it's gonna. I'm just gonna wait and see how it's executed first because. I mean, it, it's kind of cool that they're doing something different. Yeah. I just think in a universe, and I say this not with like ne necessarily a whole lot of judgment, but just in a universe where like both Lower Decks and Prodigy is canon, to act like a, a musical episode is somehow beyond the pale is so stupid. So, Bob, I think we need a new segment on this show. I, I think we're going to start it today before we do our episode of the week, which we pretty much already Okay, okay. Hit me. This hit is me. just going to be our, our time to talk about some comments that people have made online concerning the episode we just covered. Uh, all, right. all right. So we're just going to read out some comments because we're gonna not interested one, in doxing. I'm going to read one comment yeah. and I'm going to read some of the responses to it. 
and you just tell me like what your thoughts are. All right, you okay, ready? Hit me, brother. Yeah, yeah. So I know Pike is supposed to be the Boy Scout, but I think Episode Eight really shows his failings. Ortega's needed a dressing down after the incident on the bridge. I couldn't see Picard, Cisco, or Janeway let that slide, especially on the bridge while talking to a member of the junior staff. That alone should have clued him in the dinner would be a powder keg and just keep it to Una and himself. Uh, I mean, it's not wrong on some level, but it's kind of stupid. And it does show this longing in a lot of Star Trek fans that I hate that they want Star Trek to be a realistic depiction of military life, which uh, it's not because Starfleet is not a military organization. And also, I like, again, like not wrong in some ways, but also it's neglecting what's obvious from the episode that they're supposed to make they're supposed to make Doc Ra feel welcome. And so definitionally it can't just be Pike Spock and number one, that would be rude. It has to be the senior staff. Yeah, I agree, Bob. <laughs> but that was one of the things, but here's someone's comment on that. You ready? Yeah. They depict Pike is more enlightened than Kirk was, and like Kirk was a couple of hundred years before Pike instead of the other way around. Agenda drives the writing. I wonder how people will view Strange New Worlds decades later. Probably won't be able to watch it like TOS. I hate when writers interject issues of the day into science fiction writings. They should be writing how they think things will be a few hundred years in the future, not today's issue still unresolved. <laughs> but the future's gonna be woker, bro. <laughs> Like we're gonna be, you know, we're gonna progress. If I mean, if we survive, we're gonna be woker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, those are those are my Twitter comments for the day, Bob. Also, like, is he saying that? Is he saying that people are not going to watch Strange New Worlds in a few decades like they don't watch the original series today, or is he saying that people are not going to watch Strange New Worlds in a few decades, unlike how they still watch the original series? The grammar was unclear to me. The 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 way you said it the first time. Oh, so he's saying the original he's saying the original series is unwatchable. Yes, <laughs> and he's also what? saying he doesn't like it what? when they interject what current situations into sci-fi writing. <laughs> well, I mean, at least he's consistent in that sense because the original series did does do that all the time, as does ev literally every other Star Trek at every other point. <laughs> Which is why Bob it became my comment of the week. <laughs> Your comment of the week. That is that does have to be the name of the segment is comment of the week. I also that's, that's like, what we'll do. Comment of the week. I, I also and like the guy, if you're out there, you're yeah. on the Facebook Strange New Worlds, let us know you're listening. <laughs> I I also like that you know, on the one hand I am kind of saying that okay, the future's gonna be woker and <laughs> so get used to it. But on the other hand, it's like, bro, like Pike and Kirk are different guys. Like, it's not like, why are you comparing Pike to Kirk in the original series? Like, Kirk is in the show. They <laughs> depict him in an interesting way, and they they make clear the personality contrast between them. Right. So it just, that is why, Bob, I need to bring these things up. These are the things that some fans are confused about. 
Actually, this is an easy way for us to mine content, and it does make me angry. So, yeah, this yes. is a great segment <laughs> idea. <about. laughs> All right, Bob. So let's move on to episode of the week. All right. We did character of the week. We did comment of the week. What's the episode of the week, Matt? Everybody's in suspense. Under the Cloak of War, Bob. Sorry. Has to give it to Hell that. yeah, brother. It's not leaving. Hell yeah. Under the Cloak of War. You know, I'm kind of torn because I like ending on the anticlimax of episode of the week. But I also think it maybe it would be funny if we ended on comment of the week and we ended on me being angry at what you, what, what the stupidity that you inflict upon me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, even though Bob feels angry and uh, and unsettled, uh, this has uh, been a, a great episode covering two great shows that he dearly loves. This has been Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everyone. Yeah, and this is Matt who really likes one of the shows, and the other show he's he's okay watching. So, all right, thanks for listening. Ambivalent, ambivalent. <laughs> <laughs>